That's smart. So, smart. Because yeah. we ain't definitely going to on us. If you have any any momentum up to this point, it's, uh, it's we're sinking. We're sinking the momentum. It's going all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, I'm going to jump into this. Uh, I'm going to say a little intro, and then we're going to go straight into it, and uh, you know, and we'll just launch it from there. Gotcha. Sounds good, buddy. All right. What's up, everybody? My name is Jacob Deaton, and thanks for coming to another episode of Southern Wedding Professionals, where we highlight some of the coolest people in the industry uh, that provide services for clients like you. Uh, and today, I have a really cool group of, uh, that I'm going to be interviewing. Uh, these two people I've actually known for a very, very long time. Um, we're talking about the Equinox Orchestra, and we're talking about Jeremy Davis and Clay Johnson. Clay, how are you doing? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for asking. And now here's Jeremy. What's up? <laughs> so spoiler alert for everybody who's listening to this, I've known these jokers for a long time. So this could go in a lot of different directions. Uh, so fasten your seatbelt. It, it could get interesting. <laughs> we got the goods. Yeah. <laughs> we know where the bodies are buried, Jacob Deaton. <laughs> they, they know all my skeletons and their skeletons. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. We can't say too much. Be <laughs> um, so, um, Jeremy, why don't you run us through um, just uh, a, a broad stroke thing of, about the Equinox Orchestra, and then uh, and then we'll dive into more specific stuff. Sure, man. Uh, good grief. I mean, we are, well, we're the fabulous Equinox Orchestra. We've been doing this for 20 years. I mean, we're, we're from the great state of Louisiana. We moved on the day of Hurricane Katrina. We live in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, and when there's not a pandemic on, we are fortunate to travel all over the world. We have uh, done lots of tours. We did some pretty long extensive tours, uh, and one of those at least. I know you were on with us, brother. We had a we had a good time. Play a lot of corporate events. Play a lot of uh, big swanky weddings and some, some some really nice small ones too. We do a little bit of all of it. Truly blessed to do what we do, though. That's amazing. Um, and I mean, so in your, let's actually start with maybe how you guys uh, came together as a team, uh, and uh, I'll let you guys uh, take it from there. So what happened, um, what happened way was. back many, many year ago um, in the small town of West Monroe, Louisiana, Jeremy and I, we didn't know each other, but we both entered into the seventh grade. Jacob, you've heard us tell the story too many times. You can tell it for us, but you're very gracious in letting us tell the story. I'll never forget the time that we were on tour and uh, we couldn't, we had to show up late for a gig and you in the rhythm section uh, went ahead and told our story as if you were us on the stage. That was an Enox. In, uh, in oh, so dumb. <laughs> One of my it. finest moments, by the way. <laughs> and what was funny, that was our hometown. And so everybody was laughing at your jokes because I knew the story. I knew the story. <laughs> but anyway, so Jeremy and I, in seventh grade, we met and uh, we were in the band together. We went through junior high and high school and went to college at Louisiana Tech University. The whole time we were playing music together and, and developed a, a really strong friendship. And we gathered around us. I would just happen to have in our circle, I'll say we gathered around, we just all kind of fell into the circle of friends with some really stellar musicians and uh, started playing with, uh, with the different bands. And, and you know, uh, through the course of time, uh, Jeremy started um, the fabulous Equinox Orchestra there in, in Monroe, Louisiana. And, um, 
and I came in to sing from time to time. And I didn't know anything about singing a big band, but uh, but, um, but I figured I wanted, it out. I figured it out. Jeremy had learned all the, the wrong ways to lead a band up to that point. I could write a book. And he could write a book. <laughs> and, and so, uh, man, it's how many, uh, literally, if, if we're, no jokes aside, it's been 20, see, I'm still, I'm, Slow down. It's like almost 30 years. I mean, that's crazy town. It, it's over 30 years. I don't know. It's because we, would, we wouldn't have been 15 in seventh grade. Yeah. I mean, you may. We're getting old, Jacob. We're getting old. <laughs> yeah, it was a long time ago we met and started doing music. So it's, it's crazy. It's been a long time. I mean, uh, for a partnership like that to last that long, uh, I mean, we know as musicians, um, it's just hard to find people that you uh, that you work with so well day in and day out and that um, you can go through the ups and the downs with that you can rely on um, and that you can trust. And, you know, for you guys to meet in like seventh grade, is that what it was you said? Or yeah. seventh grade or seventh, yeah, seventh grade. Um, I mean, it really is a special thing. I mean, that's a, that's something that like, I mean, it's one in a million in so many. Hey, I, I completely agree. You're right. I mean, I think it's because, I mean, we love all the same stuff. You know, we, we, we both have two sisters and have no brothers. Um, we're we're um, kind of yin-yang personality-wise in some, uh, some respects, and we're exactly the same in other respects. <laughs> but we, we, we get along, we, we jokingly say we get along better than we do with our wives. You know, we can tolerate kind of an infinite amount of one another. Uh, but the things that I'm really good at, um, or, or maybe I should say some of the things that I'm not so good at, Clay is great at and, and kind of vice versa, even though we are still great at a lot of the, the same things and we have the same goals, we have the same heart, we have the same values. Um, so it makes it easy, but you're right. It, it's, it is, it is crazy unique and, and really special. And you'd be surprised, uh, Jacob, how many times we have heard people say that very thing to us. Um, in fact, we've had um, agents and presenters and, 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 you know, people who are in, who are in the arts world, who are, who are, you know, who have a lot of clout and prestige who have told us, like, that's what makes you guys special. Um, that's what makes you guys stand out and makes you unique. Um, your vibe and, and your, you know, the, the way you interact with each other kind of speaks to the way you're going to, you're going to treat other people and the way you're going to, you're going to behave in the world. So, um, we, in fact, we had one guy corner us and said, you, you two guys better always do business together. You better not ever split up because it won't work. If you try to do stuff about <laughs> ourselves, it's not ever going to work. You're like, okay, <laughs> good, good point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just so rare. I, I, I mean, I've had partnerships that have failed, um, you know, and, uh, and, uh, so many people I know that have had partnerships in various types of businesses have failed. And, you know, I actually heard an old wise tale or a wise word of advice uh, once upon a time when I started in this music industry uh, and, and we were, you know, I was speaking with this particular individual about, um, you know, starting, you know, partnerships with people and stuff like that. And, you know, his homage was always, you know, partnerships are destined to fail. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you guys are literally the living proof that that's not always the case. Well, just, you know. It's funny, Jacob, I think you're right. I mean, like Clay said, he alluded to in the beginning, we learned everything the hard way. We had a band that toured all over the country and, and, and that, uh, I, you know, I ran all the business and did everything official and, but I was just an equal member of the band. Um, and 
that band broke up. And in, I, again, I really didn't learn how not to do everything. I mean, it was like, we're on the road. I mean, 280 days a year uh, you know we had, we had some of the guys who were in chris stapleton's band now some of the guys who were in lou bryan's band now some of the guys are in the wu-tang clan now which is crazy we were all in one band together with clay um and some other friends and and then we just we learned how not to do everything so we think we, we really did take a lot of uh uh let's just call it a a doctorate in in street cred and how how to do things and not do things into this uh, business venture. So we, we had a lot of doing it wrong before we kind of, you know, got this, this real partnership together. And another thing that I think that kind of sets what we do, um, I guess in a, in a little different frame is that Jeremy and I didn't start off as business partners. We didn't start off in life together saying, Hey, let's start a business or let's do entertainment or let's be in a band. We just started off. Honestly, we started off as our mothers forcing us to have sleepovers. And that was like the worst possible torture you could put on either one of us was to force us in a room, make us spend time with each other. I mean, they, it was it was a, it was a uh, we, we developed a friendship first and we developed a kind of a bond and uh, and 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 a doing life together through school. And, and that in that sense, I don't like to call what we do um, a business partnership because I mean, it is in a sense, but. I mean, the, the business could go away tomorrow and we'd still be friends. You know, it, it could all just, you know, just, just, just dissolve. And if we had met, you know, and started doing this 10 years ago, it probably would have lasted because, right. because we wouldn't have had that, that foundation of just, just, you know, being friends and, and, and uh, doing a life together. You know, I think that's kind of where, that's what sets it apart, I guess, in, in, a, in a unique way. So continuing on with the idea of like, putting in this like really long investment of friendship and being in an original band that traveled and did 200 plus dates a year. Um, that project ends. Um, did the Equinox Orchestra sort of start like immediately after that? Or was there like a lull of time? And what sort of brought you uh, to the overall concept that you're at now with Equinox? Sure. Um, we had, it's funny, we had a little jazz trio i didn't know anything i didn't know how to play jazz i was awful and um but i was figuring it out we had a little jazz trio that plays wednesday night um and we had a a piano player named dr pearson cross who te who teaches at uh university of louisiana lafayette and Derek mixon the drummer for chris stapleton was in the band we had a little thing and we didn't we didn't we were like what are we going to call this little side project this is still while the other band was going on we called and somebody suggested actually i think it was Derek that said I always thought it would be cool to have a band called Equinox, like the John Coltrane tune, Equinox. So that's what it was. It started exactly that simply in, you know, whatever. Um, so as soon as Howard Schaff ended, um, I had already, I'd already started hustling, you know, corporate gigs and, you know, private jobs with, with this little jazz thing. And then uh, it, it just kind of became more of my uh, focus. And then I remembered how much fun we had playing big band music in college. And I simply um, called all the best jazz musicians from um, Grambling State University, Louisiana Tech University, and uh, University of Louisiana Monroe, and we made a big kind of all-star jazz band. Um, and we were like, it was like a, it was a big band, a huge big band. And we, we played every Monday night, just rehearsed until we finally got a gig somewhere. And, uh, and it just kind of progressed from there. Eventually, we started bringing Clay to town, because by that point, he already moved away. Um, and when Clay came back on the scene, the music changed from being like what a college jazz ensemble plays, which is real heady and it's fine musically, but it's not commercial 
in any stretch of the imagination. We uh, we uh, changed it up and we started playing Sinatra tunes and Michael Bublé tunes and, and tunes that people loved. And that really is when, it took a while, but that's when we really fell into our identity uh, as, as we are today. So when, uh, when Clay enters back into the mix and you're, you're, you're getting together with all these guys every Monday, I mean, was that like a year's worth of like just putting in the time and the work and putting together arrangements to like yes. build the foundation it, of everything? Was it a year, two years? How long a time was it that? Was it was probably a year of playing gigs around Monroe. Uh, and I actually found a, some across a picture of the first gig we played with the big band. And it was the dumbest thing ever because we wore all black, all black suits, just like you know, kind of the same thing, except it was July in Louisiana. And I look at the picture like, whose idea was this outfit? Because we were just, just dying. It was so hot out there. Um, but it took off really quickly. I mean, just for the sheer weirdness of it, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, where are you going to go see a big band, right? I mean, and, and the fact that we had this thing and it was cool. And um, uh, so it took off really quickly. And then, you know, fast forward, you know, I'd already, I came out on, to Savannah fell in love with Savannah on vacation because Clay was actually doing some stuff, some work out here in the summer and fell in love with it, brought my wife out like, you know, this is a great place. And I would promised her a long time ago that we'd move away from North Louisiana at some point. Um, and we made the decision to move and relocate to Savannah. So on the very day of Hurricane Katrina was the day we moved um, and we planted here. We found one or two guys that knew everybody on the scene um, musically. And we started the Fabulous Duke Knox Orchestra over again. And the very first show that we did in Savannah was a Friends of Johnny Mercer show. It was an organization, a nonprofit organization that kind of paid homage to Johnny Mercer and studied his music and history and all the fun stuff behind the songs. They presented a show with the Fabulous Duke Knox Orchestra in the Lucas Theater and it was sold out. It was the biggest show we've ever done. And it's really been off to the races ever since then. That was 15 years ago. Wow. So the first gig you get in town, you get linked up with this nonprofit. You put on the best like first stance PR campaign for a new brand in a new city and like, and it sells out. So it was game on. It was game yeah. on from the second we started. Wow. That's uh. I, I could, I mean, that's exactly what any brand would want to do uh, whenever they're trying to gain roots in a particular community is to connect with a whole bunch of people at the same time. And I mean, yeah. um, and I mean, and I don't, I don't, I don't really have an intimate knowledge of uh, Savannah's music scene as it pertains to that, but um, they're probably, I'm going to imagine there's probably not a lot of what you do there. No, so that was, that was also like, you know, probably a big portion of it, right? Oh, for sure. There, there's not, there, there are a few jazz musicians, but specifically guys who could sit and read the chart, you know, and like a, like a ninja. I mean, it, there's not. Matter of fact, three quarters of the band all came from the University of North Florida in Jacksonville. They drove up and um, a couple of the guys came from Atlanta. A couple of the guys lived in Savannah. Um, but it really was a unique thing from the beginning. Um, and, and we found commercial success. We made, we made it, um, and of course, oh, you know, fast forward a couple of years, the band really is becoming what it is now. It's, you know, it's, and it's, it, you know, our, our brand is, is uniquely Southern and sophisticated, but still very full of self-deprecating humor. And I mean, everything from Elvis to Johnny Cash to Ray Charles to Texas Swing to gospel songs to with a, all of the Louisiana attitude and spirit, that really is us. I mean, when we say big band, people think 40s music, Glenn Miller, Tommy Dorsey, all we are, we just use the big band as the luxurious musical vehicle of choice. Musically, 
we'll, we'll play Shaka Khan before we play Glenn Miller. I mean, you know, that's just kind of, we're, we're, we're going to mix it up and have some fun. Right. And that's what makes uh, your particular outfit, um, you know, fit for the 21st century, because you, you do have that versatility in your song list. And I know this obviously firsthand from, from uh, touring with you guys uh, yeah. all those years ago, which I can't believe how long that's been, by the way. No, dude, it's been crazy. <laughs> Looking at that today. One of the things that we, we have discovered in that, though, um, is that <laughs> as much as we love the fact that we're super diverse, uh, what we've kind of been faced with, in fact, most recently, is the inability for certain people to kind of peg us and say, okay, here's here's who these guys are, here's what they do, here's, here is in a sentence what you can expect from them. And that's, uh, you know, uh, I mean, and you know this, that that's just kind of advice that anybody would give to any, any artist who wants to, to kind of find their niche and find their, their corner and find their, their space to, to operate in is to, is just to be able to have this. So we're, we've, you know, we've, we've got a lot of great material out there. But we don't really fit in the box. That varies all over the place. Yeah. And, and so trying to, trying to find that, find that, um, that lane is, uh, is, is, it's, it's not easy, but it sure is dang fun. We're, we're having a good time doing it for sure. What makes, um, like, I know how challenging it is. Uh, let me start over with that statement. Like, I know how challenging it is to do what you do night and night out. Um, what do you guys do to keep it like interesting and fun for you guys? Like, is it, you know, I mean, you can get bogged down in the details of putting together an event for a, you know, for a very special client, but like, what is it about you guys that makes you guys want to keep doing this year in and year out? Because we're ultimately in the service business, right? right. So, you know, the service business is, is, it's a hard one, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's hard. So um, there's a lot of pressure in what we do. Um, what is it that makes you guys tick? I think I can think of four or five things. I'm sure Clay can too. I think this is what summed it up for us. One of the first big shows we did, um, there was a guy who came up after the show and he said, you know, I was drug here by my wife kicking and screaming because I'm not a jazz fan or a big band fan. Didn't know what you were. Uh, but I got to tell you, I loved every single song. I loved every single arrangement. You guys are hilarious. And I felt like I made two new best friends. And for us, that was the moment. That was the aha moment. That that's what we're, what's special about us. That's what we're going to do. And that makes it easy to do it night after night. After. And of course, we add new music all the time. We're always sticking out of the box. And we have great arrangers, arrangers in the band now more than ever. Because um, we traveled and we were very successful for a long time without having like a real house arranger. Now we have several of them. So we can do new stuff every day. And, and that, that keeps it fresh. I know you might have some ideas too. Well, I was just going to say, I, I think, Jacob, you said you phrased that question in a way that I wouldn't have expected. But the way you phrased the question, I think, makes you had the answer in the question. Because a lot of people in our line of work don't see what we do as a service. They see what we do as... Um, you sit there and you appreciate what I'm going to do for you. You sit there and you appreciate the, the entertainment I'm about to offer you. Um, and kind of putting the onus of the, of, of, of the enjoyment on the person in the audience, instead of saying, you know what, I, I have fun doing this. I have a blast serving you and I'm, and I'm going to, I'm, this is, this is what brings me joy. And so I'm going to, I'm going to do this to the best of my ability. And, um, 
And because we, if, if you're not having fun, I'm not having fun. If the audience isn't having fun, I'm not having fun. And so um, our, we're serving, you know, we're serving joy, we're serving celebration, we're serving enthusiasm, we're serving nostalgia, we're serving memory, we're serving all these, all these great things that we're, we're serving folks. And, um, and when they receive that and they appreciate it, then, then that just uh, that makes it all worthwhile. It really does. And from an organizational standpoint, too, I mean, it all starts with the head, right? Um, if your spirit is of such, then, you know, that trickles down to the people that are within your organization and they right. sort of take, um, you know, specific ownership of that as well as, as, as a part of their spirit in performing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's always going to be at varying degrees because, I mean, you own, you know, Equinox Orchestra and, you know, maybe the musicians that you have don't, but, um, but I think it, it really does, um, that spirit is sort of that's if you don't have that inside of you, you know, I, you know, I was just telling somebody the other day that, that reached out to me that was considering getting into this business. I was like, if that, if that spirit is not inside of you at all. And you're just seeing this as like, I'm going to make some quick money, run away, <laughs> go do something else. Because the direction, yeah. you're, you are heading in a world in a direction of a world of pain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. It's true. And we, and we make a little money in, in a short period of time, but it is. Yeah. <laughs> and, we, and we have a great team. I'll say this, you know, I mean, over the years, we have accumulated a massive group of amazing musicians. You know, at any given point, we have three or four bass players and three or four drummers and two or three piano players and, and literally 150 great horn players that can do our show from LA to New York to, you know, to New Orleans and Dallas and, you know, Jacksonville. Um, so we got a big team, however. And, and let's not forget the most important people, Jacob, you know, this are our assistants and the people who answer the phones for us and keep our books organized for us. And, and uh, because without these most important yeah. people, we would, um, we'd still be lost that, in, the, in the woods. That's such a good point. I, I, to, to, to finish, my, to finish my, my, my thought is because of COVID, we have um, done everything together. We got our home team has been on every job since March, every single gig, which has made things a, a really, really special. I mean, because everybody owns the, the vibe. Everybody feels it. Everybody understands and appreciates because ain't nobody else working. I mean, Jacob, you know how it is. I mean, there's very few of us out there working. We've been working nonstop and we've been careful you know, we, we did week, probably 20 weeks straight of live streams where we kept the bills paid because of, um, you know, the fact that we were kind of really sheltering in place together. And we were at the, we, we scaled the band down, we set the band up in a social distance kind of way. And that really grew a lot of uh, camaraderie between us. And, uh, and it made a real special vibe where everybody kind of get back to, to the point you were making is really does. Uh, everybody kind of owns the vibe. They know what we're about and they all celebrate it. Uh, but yeah, Clay's right. I mean, we, we, uh, our assistants um, uh, really kind of are the glue. It, it took us a long time before we realized we had to have help. And now that we do, we will never, ever, ever, ever go back to doing it the way we did before. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, I mean, we both use the same people. So shout yeah. out to VA USA yeah. for all the things. Amen. That's right. Yeah. yeah They're good people. Mary Lane and Brooke and, and the whole team. Um, they're they're sponsor, right? They're sponsoring this podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. And I have to I have to shout out to my uh, my assistant Annie because otherwise I would not be able to sit here because 
uh, I'm like peripherally seeing things fly up in my email boxes. I'm having right, awesome right, right. conversations <laughs> with you guys. And I know that she's handling all of it. So yeah. it's, it's incredible. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a, it makes you feel good. You know, when you got somebody like that in your corner, I, I know how that is too. We have Brooke and Allison on our team that are handling everything. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome. It's uh it's, it's, it's a joy and, uh, and organizational stability, um, you know, for a, an outfit as, uh, as complex as yours um, is, you know, is always something I'm sure a client would, you know, wants to feel um, they want to feel taken care of and oh, have their hands on, on, on deck. Absolutely. And it's, it's for us, it's very forward facing. I mean, they, like when we have um, client meetings, whether it's Zoom meetings or phone calls, initial conversations, they, they go through our website, you know, uh, our assistants intercept it and then put them on the calendar, make them feel special. And then when um, our calls, what happens is, my, uh, you know, Brooke or, or Allison will, will call the client and then they'll merge me in on the phone call um, and then they're taking notes. So I'm just able to talk and stay in my lane and do exactly what I do and connecting with that bride or planner or corporate person or someone throwing a party or whatever, or, or, or a theater that wants us to come to Dallas, Texas, you know, in, in April to do a, a show for whatever. Uh, I'm able to just focus and do what I do best, knowing that my people are taking notes and they got all that stuff done. And I think it makes the client feel like, hey, this is buttoned up. And, and if we happen to ask for a real premium on the price, then they can see that these people have it together. And it really, I think it really does speak a lot to, like you said, our organizational uh, structure when, when, when clients feel that way, make them feel special. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's 100% that you don't get a second chance to make that first impression when they come through the door. And they've made that leap of faith by just <clears throat> filling out your contact information to then alert you that they're interested. Um, from that moment on, it's it's game on, and right. um, and you being able to show that, um, you know, that sort of first class, uh, you know, treatment. I mean, speaks to why your organization has probably been so successful. Mm. Yeah, buddy, that's cool. Um, yeah. So uh, so continuing on, I, I'd like to I'd like to kind of take a um, take a moment to sort of speak about. Um, you know, you kind of touched on it a second ago with COVID, um, but like how, how has your organization been able to uh, like more specifically deal um, with the challenges of COVID and uh, in your geographic region? Well, we've been able to, like Jeremy said, have these um, uh, online concerts, which this is something we discovered. Um, we're grateful for our fans. We have the best fans in the world because we did these basically free shows on Facebook live before we had any idea what it, what it, what it required. And they're really pathetic. You can go back on our Facebook page and see just how poorly we did, but our fans were so generous. We put a free show out there and said, Hey, look, we know this is a free show, but all of our gigs got canceled and we'd appreciate it. You buy tickets and people bought tickets to a free show, which was just supportive of us and made us feel so grateful and so thankful. And our fans felt like they were helping and they, they were indeed helping to kind of, um, uh, for us to pay our team, for them to kind of pay their bills and keep their lights on and all that kind of stuff. And, and it really was good. And so that, that was one part of it. Another part of it was, um, Jacob, we had, we had so much free time on our hands. We've been looking for five years for a time to get back in the studio and record our next album. And we finally had the time 
<clears throat> and not only did we get into the studio to record an album, we went in the studio and recorded three albums. And uh, mm -hmm. and we're rolling them out this year now. We've got these three. I, and I'm telling you what, I couldn't be more proud. I know Jeremy couldn't either. I mean, this the, the, what we've been able to create has just been, it's been incredible. I've been so grateful to, 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 to do that. And I can't wait for you guys to hear it. It's, it's, it's so good. So good. Yeah, it was a good use of our time, I think, just to, to, uh, to, to, to change speeds a little bit from being on the road and touring to being able to, uh, to, um, uh, you know, focus on studio stuff. And, and there were, they're completely three totally different diverse albums. Um, but even back to the streaming thing, you know, we, we joke around and say they were terrible. I mean, the performances were good, but you know, streaming's hard. You know what I mean? It's like trying to make all this stuff sound good to somebody's phone is is a challenge i mean even when you got you know thousands of dollars worth of microphones and sound guys it, we just we, we just ended up hating it decided early on that we weren't even going to own any of that gear because we didn't want to fool with it of course we ended, ended up buying it anyway but one of the things that we really pushed forward and we made a decision a long time ago that we got to a point where we truly love what we do and we're not ever going to stop doing, you know, God willing, we're going to keep doing this until, you know, we just can't do it anymore until they drag us off the stage or whatever. As long as people are enjoying what we do, we're going to keep doing it. However, we, uh, I know I specifically had uh, this idea a long time ago that I did not want every bit of my money, my income. I'm a sole provider. My wife is a, is an amazing woman. She's the homemaker. We have three kids. Um, I, I just, I didn't want all of, um, my personal money to be directly attached to me being um, uh, on the um, uh, stage playing. Um, I wanted to be able to uh, have some income using my skill set beyond just the saxophone and, you know, singing and doing whatever. So, and we started Equinox Entertainment a few years ago, but we really poured the calls to it. And we've got, we're curating music all over the region, man. We're doing we, we curate music seven days a week down at the JW Marriott in Savannah, Georgia, which is a $400 million hotel. We, we curate every night of the week at the old pink house. We do a lot of stuff. Um, I mean, Jacob, we produced eight shows on new year's Eve. Um, and every one of them went off without a hitch. I didn't get one phone call that night, which is a miracle, but just really to the testament of our um, assistants, you know what I mean? You know, that is, um, but, you know, COVID has, has it, we've been thankful that we have that because, you know, we, we still are a catastrophic amount of cash short of what we were this time, you know, last year, you know, it's been, it's been that way for all of us. I know you're the same way. Uh, so we're thankful to have that extra um, uh, source of income, you know, as it relates to, to what we do musically. And, and our, uh, that synergy, I mean, and that's really what, what, what we call it. I mean, it's, it's a great word. Um, because I'm just continuing to put ourselves out there um, with Equinox Entertainment, with what was happening at PRD and, and, and with, you know, doing our live streaming thing, just constantly nose to the grindstone kind of stuff. It generated other things as well. We, we got a call. I mean, this was totally unplanned, out of the blue, ridiculous. We get a call um, four months ago from a friend of ours in Los Angeles that we literally have not seen in 15 years She's producing movies out there now. She called us and said, hey guys, I just saw y'all on the internet and I just thought of y'all because I got this movie I just made and it has all this music in it that I can't afford. I'm wondering if I can pay you guys to write some music for this movie. And we're like, absolutely, we can do that. So um, something else we can kind of, you know, put into our, into our, uh, you know, 
<laughs> to our resume is that now we've written you know music and produced music for uh, for a major motion picture which comes out next month so we're we're really excited about that starring scott bayo and christy swanson which yes. is also a bonus charles and charles <laughs> Charles in Charge and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So, and Equinox Orchids. That's what I'm talking about. Good, good combination. That's well, good. I mean, I think you guys have the right idea. I mean, it's uh, some people saw this um, downtime, if you will, um, as a chance to rest and mm -hmm. a chance to, uh, you know, and, and also like, you know, they maybe they weren't very excited about it. Maybe they didn't see the positive in it. Maybe they didn't see it an opportunity. Uh, to sort of grow in a different way um, but obviously or an organization like you guys have done that and you know there's going to be uh, you know treasures so to speak on the other side of this For sure. uh, that, uh, that that become fruitful because you're able to you were able to shift and sort of uh, continue to make your brand um, you know invest in your brand and make it more aware to the people around yeah. it and no better example than the movie uh, scenario which wow. is yeah yeah, we had some wise mentors that kind of helped us at the beginning of this thing as we're talking through losing. I remember posting a post on Facebook that said, friends in the music business, get used to this word, these two words, force majeure. It's French thing. I remember that post. You remember that? Yeah. <laughs> because it came like a hurricane that week. I mean, it was like everything started canceling. Everything started canceling. And a friend said, hey, look, this is an opportunity for, uh, well, he's a friend of yours too, Pat Hazel, uh, a comedian. It was like, you know what, just like you alluded to earlier, there's going to be something on the other side of this. And the people who remain relevant and who say positive and who will produce content uh, are going to uh, reap the reward. Because you know what, you and I talked this before, Jacob, I mean, there's going to be a whole lot less of us after this is over and just you know like restaurants exactly just like <laughs> restaurants it's the same yeah, thing so, restaurants stay afloat, they're, gonna, yeah. they're gonna be killing and i, I want to go back to the, the whole partnership thing too because the reason that i think this has been so successful is because i <clears throat> i for the for the most part i kind of took the typical artist mentality of uh you know i'm just gonna i'm just gonna sit at home and and um and you know be depressed and and not you know not try at all and then but jeremy's you know jeremy's not going to take it lying down he's getting up he's he's doing it he's out there kind of you know he made all this happen which is great um and on those rare occasions where jeremy felt like um he wanted to you know jump off a cliff hang it up i'm, I'm done <laughs> and uh drive his drive his sprinter man uh into the grand canyon and kind of end it all i i, I could at least have a little bit of like, no, man, those were the days that I was positive. Like, oh, yeah. this, this is going to get so, true. Um, so it's, it, the, the, the partnership has been, has been a really big help just having, you know, um, having that, that bond, you know, iron sharpening iron and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, this, this woven bond not being easily broken and, and, and helping each other out. So anyway, it's, um, it's, it's been, uh, it's, it's been good for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm really um, saddened by the people that um, that maybe aren't going to make it out of this. Um, mm. you know, they, it hurts, uh, yeah. you know, to yeah. see people go um, that have decided to move on from the industry that we're in um, in variety of circumstances. Mm -hmm. um, some people that were really close to me, some people that um, maybe were on the periphery or whatever. But um, sure. but you know, that's um, 
and that's okay. There's, I mean, it's totally fine. And, and there's, you know, there's no harm in that um, because everybody's in a different place in life and you got to respect mm. that. Um, but, uh, but yes, for those, I believe on the other side um, of this um, to continuing to stay relevant um, in a time of which that we've never seen in this industry. I mean, I think the wedding industry is like what a 70 something billion dollar industry per year. Crazy, sure. You know, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. it, for, for something like this to occur um, where the average wedding spend is like over $30,000, um, you know, for a whole entire 70 plus billion dollar industry to be brought to its knees um, mm. for, for people like you that's, um, that's had the vision to, to really, you know, keep grinding and waking up every morning when maybe it doesn't really feel like you, you want to work um, mm. or what's the point? Uh, right, right. Yeah, I should just stay in bed. Yeah, I should just do something else. Like, wake up every morning and go to your office um, and, uh, and and get work done. Um, it's yeah. a real testament of like how much you really want to be a part of this business. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Jacob, out of all the zillions of musicians that we work with, um, there are, I mean, very few. I mean, really, I, I don't even know if I can think of another one other than our crew and you, buddy. I mean, to be really honest with you, and this is not a slight, this is not a slight on any of our homeboys, you know, because I mean, most musicians were cut from, you know, we're cut from the same, you know, cloth. We, we love to move people. We love to play music. We love to groove. We love all that stuff. But most of us like to sleep till noon and there's nothing wrong with that. Most of us like to stay up till four in the morning. That's fine. Um, and most of them would rather just have a root canal than make a sales call. Right. You know what I mean? And um, other than us and you, buddy, I think, I mean, we, you know, on, on the, on the, uh, on the national level, we know a lot of people that have great, very successful bands that are absolute business ninjas that we have learned from, mm-hmm. but they're few and far between. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's one of those things where there's just not most of us. I mean, if you have any business acumen whatsoever, then this is the business to be in because the crowd, there's no crowd. You know what I mean? It's, it, it's not, I mean, there's a crowd at the top, there's a crowd at the top and there's, you know, there's, there's a dozen or so, maybe two dozen people across the country that are competing for the highest level jobs. Um, and, and, you know, to speak to that for just a second, there's a guy in New York, I won't even say his name, but his band, I tell the story all the time, will hit for $100,000 at the Rainbow Room on a Saturday night. Now, why does that happen, right? Is his band any better than your band or my band? Probably not. I mean, not, not really. I mean, musically, I mean, whatever they're better is such a slight degree, or even if they are, or if my band's better, or your band's better, the civilians do not know the difference. I mean, we give them way too much credit. Um, they, however, they will know, they will notice the fact that their suits fit right. They will notice that those three girls are beautiful and they can sing. They've worked, they, they've worked out all this stuff. Um, the, the physical look of the band and the experience that it creates is what gets those gigs, the hundred thousand dollar gigs. That's it. I mean, it's not. It's not that the band was just so great that they just just commanded this premium. That's just not, not, unless you're just the next Miles Davis of whatever you do. It's, that's not the way it works. The way it works is the people who get those jobs, and those jobs come through a very narrow channel. By the way, um, that you have to work really hard. Um, but that's something that we learned a long time ago that that, um, that the people who are the gatekeepers they don't look at the same things that, that we look at as musicians. They're looking for different things, and um, um, you know, kn- knowing that it's it makes it, it makes it a lot easier battle to fight. 
Jimmy keeps getting phone calls. That's I'm sorry. I, I, I broke the cardinal rule of, of podcasting, and, and I didn't turn my phone off. So <laughs> I got 30 phone calls during the middle of this thing. So sorry about that. No, it's okay. No, I mean, you're right. It is. Um, and it's really hard to convey that message to a band, right? I mean, oh, yeah. it's me as, as a brother to a brother, a band owner to a band owner. You understand, like, how important it is, all of these presentation things, um, you know, are you know, and how you appear to people, um, how important those are to not only referrals later on down the road, but the actual moment to where somebody experiences your organization for the first time. How do you oh, yeah. communicate that in a way that really like, that? Re I mean, because obviously you've been very successful in doing it, you and Clay both. I mean, how have you guys communicated that message? It's, man, it, it's hard. I'll be honest with you. One thing that I'm thinking of right now is it, it doesn't always go so well. You know what I mean? Most of the time people get it. You know, I, we, we talk about it and I think that our crew buys into what we're saying. They, they understand because we, we, we basically say it in a way that's honoring to them. You guys are the best. What you do is spectacular. You are one of the greatest doing what you do of anybody in the world. However, most of the people that are watching this show tonight, they're not going to understand the depths of your musical ability. You know, they're going to know they had fun, right? They're going to know that they had fun. And that's what they're going to know. Um, but everybody doesn't like to hear this. Matter of fact, we parted ways with one of our most important, you know, most powerful, um, you know, presences on stage over this. I mean, they just didn't like the idea of that at all. And we're willing, we're, we're willing to, you know, argue with me about it in front of one of the planners that I had, not in front of it, but, but in the lead up to of one of the most important event designers that I've ever worked with. I, I've, I've had lunch with this woman on three continents. I've gone to New York City just to have lunch with her, right? And um, we spelled it out in great, great detail. And this one cat showed up and just wanted to argue about it. And it was just like, that was just the end. It was like, okay, he was, he was willing to sabotage it all um, and not willing to, and, and it, you know, and, and to his credit, I mean, he's a fiery dude and just had a bad day. And I understand that we all have bad days. Um, but the point, that, the questions you asked is how do you convey it? And, and you, you, I think you, you, you have to be sensitive and you, you have to look at people, the, you know, at the end goal. But, but sometimes it's, it's a message that a lot of people just really push back on. They don't like the idea that the, 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 the people who are paying for the party may know more about how their outfit fits than, than their music. I, I understand that that's, that's, that's not what we practice our horn and instruments for, but, but in, in reality, once you make it to a certain level, if you want to get to the next level, that's what the difference is. The difference isn't practice six more hours a day because that ain't going to make a difference. Uh, and I think you get that. Yeah, it's, it's a really hard thing to, to look at a musician and tell them that there's been, these people have heard, you know, the people that you're trying to impress have heard a lot of music and the, they're actually going to judge you on how your tie is tied, not how you actually play. You know, it, you're right. It's Jacob. hard to it, say that to them. It's hard know? to say, well, you know, and the, and, and the other flip side of that is too, because, because people can, you know, musicians can start to build some resentment. I understand that towards those people. Um, however, this, this is how I, I combat that. I say, you know, these people, yes, I understand. That the, but, the, but the fact is, these people could afford to pay anybody in the world to come and play their party. I mean, literally, I mean, they, I mean, they could afford to dig up Elvis and drag him in here and do it. I mean, that's the kind of money these people have, right? And guess who they picked? They picked you. So let's, let's not 
let's let's not let's not be judgmental of these people. Let's be thankful. Yeah, and I, I was about to say I don't I don't want, want anybody in your listening audience to think that that we're disparaging of the of the ability for these people to discern great music. They know great music. They've heard it all, they, and and they that's why they're hiring us because they've heard great music. But they also have a very high bar of excellence. That yes. that's why that's why where that's why they are where they are. And so because the bar of excellence is so high, I love the fact that you can, you know, you can play circles uh, around everybody else on your instrument. But I want you to continue to play. I don't want your quality to be any less than what it is, but I want you to look nice. I want you to look really nice when you walk by these people. I want those people to say, wow, that guy is really sharp and he plays the saxophone really awesome. That's really, that's really incredible. And he plays the trumpet, and he's or this drummer right here just looks really, really great. You know, we we still have to correct guys that look like they crawled out of the dumpster before they come to a game. Like, come on, guys, come on. <laughs> but <laughs> they're looking at you; they can see and that it's, you're wearing shoes with holes in them. And it's ra- and it's it's rampant. I mean, we, we do this every day at uh, at, at Plant Riverside District. Yeah. You know, there, there's seven days worth of music, and we put it in emails. We 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 put it in text. I have my assistants call them, tell them, go through the whole thing, and then I mean, they have been read the riot act. It's like, guess what, guys? You're there because you can play. We know you can play. That's why you have the gig. Now you're going to be judged on several things on how you deal with the people that parking, mm-hmm. uh, whether you're on time for sound check, whether you start on time. And sure enough, you know, we get there and, you know, one of the guys is wearing a tracksuit. It looks fine, right? But it's not a four-star look. And he knows that. And we've communicated that in every possible way you can communicate. We've communicated it and um, they still don't get it. So it's 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 a challenge, Jacob. I mean, I don't really have the answers. I mean, I think we're, we're doing our best to try to raise our product level of our product, raise the level of the product to people that we're associated with, the bands that we work with. And it seems to be uh, a, a kind of a, a bigger issue and a challenge to, to get people to kind of understand the bigger picture of the experience that they're creating for, for um, people that are buying music or whatever. Well, that's exactly it, is that you're not, this is, you have to get out of the head of this is a self-serving endeavor. Like mm-hmm. you are paying me X amount of dollars to show up and, and provide my service. Yes, we are. But ultimately the goal is to provide the client with an experience that's unforgettable. And, that's right. When, right. and when you start thinking, when you stop thinking about yourself and you start thinking about the other person that you're mm-hmm. influencing, this is a wedding. This is a corporate event. Let's just use wedding. For example, this is the biggest day of this couple's life. Right. Yeah. You know, Special. You, you have to come correct. You have to come mm-hmm. correct on a level that is totally respectful of them because they've chosen to um, to involve you in the biggest day of your life, even though they don't even know who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's a uh, it, it's a hard thing. You and know? that's why we say, look, our job to the, to the wedding planners, the event planners, whoever we we are. Look, our job is to make your client feel like superstars. And if we don't make your client feel like superstars, then we have failed. But what we're going to do is we're going to go and we're going to celebrate them or whoever, if it's a corporate event or whatever, they're going to feel really special because of what we're doing. Yeah. You know, don't make us feel special. We are the hired help. We get our, we, we understand where we fit in the, in the you know food chain here. Mm-hmm. So uh, we can't think too highly of ourselves. Yeah. And as long as you, as long as you can put yourself, you know, 
don't think too highly of yourself, then man, you're gonna have you're gonna do really great in this business and have a great time doing. But boy, it. that's hard for some people. You know what I mean? I mean, it, I mean, it really is. It's a, it's a hard thing to 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 be a humble servant of, of of an event like that. And of course, we you know we play theater shows when it's more just about us, and we did a PBS special and it's about us, and that's cool. But a lot of times on these in these gigs where we're we're playing for especially the big money gigs, and we're like Clay said, we're there to serve these people. It's it's their most important memories being made, and we're there to deliver the wow. And delivering the wow has an exponential amount of things beyond the music. You know what I mean? And that's that really is where 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 you win the day. Yeah, and you know, like I said, when you like you said, when you deliver that wow every every single time after that somebody talks and then yeah. the, the product grows and then you know the people that are involved in the product get excited because they see more and more dates dude every one of the every single big endeavor we've ever done we've gotten other gigs straight out of it whether it's a whether it's a uh, a wedding or a corporate event, or we're touring. Uh, I remember we, we did a whole, one of the first big tours we did. We played in Florida. Uh, we're doing this. We did like seven nights of theaters and uh, one night had like five presenters that run other theaters and we played every one of them. You know what I mean? It's so, so it's like, you got to bring your game face every time, you know, cause, cause that's, that's, you're right. It's it always, it's reciprocating. You, 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 you grow it that way. What's, um, uh, in wrapping up here, I want to talk about a couple of, uh, I want to talk about a few things that are uh, more specific to you two individually, um, because I always like to have a little thing at the very end of these podcasts that, that sort of um, bring everything full circle, um, and uh, but also like kind of gives an inclination as to who you guys are as uh, individuals. So Clay, I'll start with you. Tell us something like that uh, t tell us something that you like to do with your free time that we maybe wouldn't expect. Well, I am a student at um, Shepherd's Theological uh, Seminary in Cary, North Carolina. I have worked in the ministry for years, and I've, uh, I, do, I do church ministry and, and uh, missionary work and all those kind of things. So that is extremely important to me. Um, I uh, uh, also love singing gospel music and anything music-wise and, and church church-related. Uh, I love, and I know um, I, I, Jeremy can speak to this as well. But I, based on our mutual heart of, of ministry, we've developed something called Equinox Global Missions, which is a nonprofit that we use our music to to, to bless other people. So that's. That's kind of really where, where, what's important to me, and, um, and and I know Jeremy can say the same thing, and with, with other things as well. Go ahead, bro. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, and I think this really is part of the reason why our relationship works because we care about the same stuff. I mean, you know, I. I, I you know, one of the most special things to me is getting up in the morning, you know, and I, with my family and having my coffee and and um, and and just having a, a, a quiet moment in my devotion and devotional. And um, I'm you know super involved in my church. And uh, one of the things that I would do um, all day long is, um, you know, is, is the idea of um uh, like Clay mentioned, Equinox Global Missions is us taking the music and just to be a blessing to people. I mean, it is the coolest thing. Whether we're playing for children, um, we've been able to play for Holocaust survivors in Israel. 
we've been able to play for, you know, World War II era, you know, senior adults and just watch them light up. Man, this guy came up. We were playing this uh, assisted living facility one day, and a guy came up and he said, you know, I had a memory for every song that you played. He had a big smile on his face, and I was totally in the moment. I said, I want, I want to hear about his memories. I said, tell me about your memories, sir. And he goes, oh, I don't think my wife would want me to share these memories with you. <laughs> I said, oh, are those kind of those kind of memories. But, you know, that's the stuff that really does it for, for me. It does it for Clay, whether we're, um, you know, whether in India or Israel or Poland or Halifax, Nova Scotia or somewhere in, you know, outside in Statesboro. I mean, we we really do love people and love to connect with people. And that that's kind of what we're about. Isn't that the ultimate? Isn't that isn't that it? I mean, people I mean, if, if you're not playing for people, then that's right. Well, you know what? It's funny, Jacob. It's, it's funny that you mentioned that because after 20 something weeks of straight playing to the Internet, we I mean, and we're good. There's, there's a lot of us so we can make each other laugh. And, and, and we have an advantage over someone with a uh, just a guitar in, in the corner playing to the Internet. But we learned how much it means to have an interactive experience with a with a with a with a with a crowd we already knew it but we know it now i mean we know what the crowd brings um I get you some likes on, on the on oh look at that look, look at that look at that you got yourself a dog like but yeah it, it is it's funny it is about the people and um never have we known it's more about the people than um uh than when uh covid hit and we had just to play to nobody that's the truth. Yeah, we're For all, sure. I think we're all feeling it. Um, you guys are in Savannah. There's a lot of amazing things to do in Savannah and a lot of places to eat. Yes. Amen. Amazing. Clay, yeah. give me some of your favorite eats in Atlanta. Uh, in Atlanta? I'm Savannah. sorry, Savannah. My bad. Let's say Atlanta. You got to go to Varsity. There is yeah. <laughs> no one that lived here knows the Varsity, dude. <laughs> Well, man, Savannah, the cuisine is great. If I had to come to Savannah and, and just go to one place, um, I'd go to Leopold's and have Leopold's ice cream. Uh, the best ice cream in the world. Yeah, uh, and I wonder what flavor you choose. Uh, I, I bet you know, because you've heard the story a million times, haven't you? <laughs> Look, if you don't get Tutti Fruity, you don't have any ice cream at all. That's all there is Johnny Mercer's favorite flavor. Uh, I would have to say that uh, the quintessential meal in this town is unequivocally, in my opinion, the old pink house. It is, it is deeply Southern and sophisticated and absolutely fantastic. We go there fairly yeah, regularly. It's shrimp and grits. Shrimp and grits. Can't beat it. That's right. Yeah. Hey, while I'm thinking about it, because um, I know you also, uh, you, you, you talked about it very briefly, and I don't want to, uh, let's talk about the destination of uh, that Riverside, um, uh, what's the what's the phrase? I'm sorry, the plantation. Plant Riverside District. Plant District. Riverside District. District. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell, tell us a little bit about, um, like, because uh, I don't, I don't want, I, that is like a whole destination for people. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay, so. so yeah, it's a $400 million um, JW Marriott Hotel they call Plant Riverside District. It's right on the river. Like if you if you know, if you're familiar with Savannah, where River Street used to start was kind of where MLK comes down. That's where it started. Um, well, actually, it, it, it kind of started down from there. But that's it, they, they've extended the the, the breadth of, uh, of River Street. Uh, there's music seven days a week. You go into the massive generator hall, which is was 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 the first place to 
um, use fossil fuel to make electricity. Um, so Mr. Kessler, the owner of this establishment, uh, is a brilliant man, had the idea of taking the elements of the fossils, the fossil fuel, um, and kind of making that art, which is crazy. So when you go in there, there's the biggest geodes and, and, and crystals that you've ever seen in the world. It's like a, it's like a museum. There's, there, there's not anything better. And then there's a, a life-size statue of a skeleton of one of the biggest dinosaurs that have that, that ever roamed the earth. It's the biggest. It's the biggest. And it's, and, it's in, and it's been cast in chrome. They found it in like Montana and they, and they had a paleontologist rebuild this thing. So you walk in and it's magnificent. And he's got a B3 organ. He's got two Bussendorfer Grand Imperial pianos in there. Um, so it is visually stunning. There's there's 11 restaurants, there's sushi, there's Polish, there's barbecue, there's low country. There's two or three rooftop restaurants right on the river and there's music every day and every night. And it's all developed by a gentleman named Richard Kessler, who is a Savannah native. He grew up in Effingham County and he came over with the, you know, his whole family came over back in the 1700s. They can trace their lineage back. But anyway, it's part of the Kessler collection. There are several other Kessler properties here in Savannah. Um, and they're all in their own unique way, just incredible. But this, this development is, it's, uh, it, it's, it's truly a destination. It really is. And it's going to be, a, it's, it's the, it's the performance uh, Mecca here in, in Savannah, because um, there are three uh, hotels in this one development. There's Plant Riverside District. Um, that's a, the, or the, what are they called? The Generator Hall is, is one big hotel. There's another hotel called uh, the Three Muses. And the last one we built is called the Atlantic. And inside the Atlantic, um, in the center of that hotel is a 500-seat theater that they're, they're building. And so they're going to have uh, big producing lot, a lot of music there, a lot of theater-type shows um, there. So it's yeah. I can't wait for that to open up. And we're so thrilled to, for the opportunity to, to be responsible for all of that music, right, right, which is great. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, chances are, people, if you're in Savannah and you're somewhere and you're listening to music, it's probably these guys who's providing it. So <laughs> make sure you check out Equinox Orchestra. Is it equinoxorchestra.com? That's what it is, yes, right? Yes, sir. Yep. Make sure you check that out. See all their live dates. They're always doing really cool things like the concert on top of the Perry Lane uh, yep. on, on top. They're always doing those types of stuff. I mean, just really cool, picturesque concerts with, uh, with a view. Uh, and uh, with always some sort of memory attached to it. Um, so, um, Jeremy, Clay, thank you so much for joining uh, Southern Wedding Professionals and, uh, and hanging out with me today. Our pleasure. Thank you, buddy. Good to see you, God bless you, friend. Thank you. I'm coming to see you guys soon, I promise. Anytime. Come on. We're here. We'll go, have, we'll, we'll go eat. <laughs> well, that's been another episode, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe and make sure that you share this with your friends because without sharing, we're not really caring. I don't know why I said that. I've never said that before, but it sounded right. So I'm going to go with it. Thank I you. I like it. And see you next time. See you. And, we'll cut and it'll be great. That awesome. awesome, Jake. <laughs> hey, man, my phone's dying. I got I to gotta plug it in, buddy. That's all right. Go ahead. Thank you, man. Right. Thanks, buddy. That's awesome, bud. For real. See you, man. Appreciate it. All man. right. See ya.